so hi. Um, I know it's been forever. Um, it's been seven months, as far as I know. Um, I've tried to record at least three separate episodes since the last one. I hated all of them. And since last time, I realized I am incredibly boring, and I don't even want to listen to myself. So, at some point, maybe I'll do a life update, and I'll tell you about all the new plants and animals that I own, um, but don't get too excited about the animals. Um, so today, I'm thinking Unsolved Mysteries. It sounds kind of awesome, and Unsolved Mysteries are really cool to me, so let's go ahead and do it. So this is probably going to be a pretty long episode. Um, to start off, I don't really like the ones where they just like find a body all mutilated and just like try to figure out how they died or whatever and like it's quote unsolved. So I really only have one that's even similar to that and I'm going to go ahead and get that one out of the way. So this one, um, it happened in 1959 and these ski hikers went missing and they were out camping. So they when their tent was found... It had been ripped open from the inside, and there were footprints all over the campsite, and supposedly, like, some of them, none of them were wearing shoes, but some of them had sock, no, some of them had one shoe on, stuff like that. Um, but some of them had socks, some of them were just barefooted, anyway. Um, so the police found two bodies nearby who were only wearing underwear, but this was in Russia, so, um... It's cold. Um, they're assumed to have died of hypothermia, but that is, you know. The seven other bodies were found over the next few months, but those bodies led the police to believe that it was not, in fact, hypothermia. Um, some of the causes of, or some of the weird things they found about these bodies, um, one had extreme evidence of blunt force trauma, which, okay, like, I get that. One of them had third-degree burns, so they were, like, it's in the winter in Russia, so, like, I don't really, I don't know. One of them had a missing tongue. Well, I didn't have it if it was missing, but one of them didn't have a tongue. And their some of their clothing came back and it was registered as radioactive. So, I don't really know what to do about that one. There's, a, there's some fun theories on that one. Um, some people say drug overdose. Some people say it's the Russian version of, like, a Yeti. Um, my favorite is the gravity anomalies. I don't understand how that would, how your tongue would be missing after that, but somehow the only reasonable one out of that list to me is the UFO. Because, I don't know, maybe, oh, whatever. Who's to say there aren't aliens, you know? Um, let's scooch down. I have a bunch written down. We probably won't get to all of them because, like I said, there's a lot. So I'm going to go ahead and do... Some of you probably heard of the man from Torrid. Um, so in 1954, this man is in Japan. He's in the Tokyo National Airport, and he's he he's trying to leave Japan. And he mentions that he's from a country called Torrid, and like the immigration officer doesn't believe him because I mean Torrid's not a real country, like whatever. So. The man shows the immigration officer his passport, and it has a legitimate stamp from Torrid, but nobody knows where Torrid is. So he claimed he he's adamant that it's between Spain and France, which isn't really like when he pointed at a map. He was trying to point it out. When he pointed to a map, he pointed at Andorra, which is between Spain and France. But and whatever. 
Um, but he couldn't find anything that said Torrid, and he was trying to figure out. And he said he had been taking these trips for, like, five years. So, like, I mean. So, the immigration officers detain him in a nearby hotel overnight with guards outside. And, um, I'm sorry if you hear rumbling. There's things happening in my backyard. Um, so there were guards posted outside his room and they never saw him leave. They never heard anything. So the next morning they opened the door and he's gone and all of his belongings are gone. So there was a window in the room, but it was like two or three stories up and they didn't find any evidence of him jumping out of the window or like any of his stuff being on the ground or anything. So my personal theory is that he was like from another dimension, but whatever. Um, let's see. I'm sorry, and there's house noises. Ah, da 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 da. So this one's kind of weird. It's also really short. I have a bunch of little short ones. Um, so this person and their mom live out, like, in the country. And so they're, I don't remember if they were sitting in, some, in one of their rooms or something, but the mom walks into the kitchen and finds two perfectly butchered rabbits on the kitchen floor. Like, all of the parts are laid out, like how a rabbit is supposed to be. But the only theory they could come up with was that someone, like, had sneaked into the house, like, silently. But I don't know about silently, because that seems really difficult to do, even in, even in the, even out in the country. Um, please just ignore the fact that I did that. Um, I'm reading off my notes here, just a little side note, and, um, it says finds two perfectly butchered rabbis, because apparently I can't spell. Um... So, you've probably heard of the Mary Celeste, if you haven't. Um, she was a ship that they found floating, like, out in the Atlantic, like, just chilling. There was nobody on it. It was 1872. And they find the, tr find the ship, <laughs> and no one heard from the crew after that. So, like, the ship had only been at sea for a month, but they found it, and, like, there was no crew on it. There was nobody but they had prepared for like a six month journey and they checked the ship's daily logs. There was nothing weird or like, well, um, the only theories people could come up with were pirates and sea monsters. But I think if there were sea monsters, there would have been damage. So that's, and some real science people. So like not just folks doing things and reading stuff and making assumptions, which, this is probably, this, I hate this theory. Um, there could have been alcohol fumes that caused an explosion, but by some, as they said, scientific anomaly, there were no burns, but the captain was scared enough to get everyone off the ship. So I don't believe, I don't know how there would be, why is there a scientific anomaly that there were no burns? That seems a bit, I don't know about that. So, another, there's a little short one. Um, so this Kid lives out in, like, the middle of nowhere. All the short ones are about people living in the country, I guess. And, like, it's two acres of perfectly flat field land, no trees or nothing. And this kid walks outside and looks in the snow and sees a single hoof print. Not a pair of hoof prints. Like, just one. And there were no tracks around it or anything. It's just the one hoof print. And, like, that doesn't... I know that's not really an unsolved mystery, but that's kind of weird, right? 
Because I don't I don't know about that one. Um another one that's kind of similar to that. Um I didn't find a year for this one, but there were hundreds of miles worth of hoof prints across England, like in a perfectly straight line, like even over rooftops and stuff. It's just they're in a straight line for like hundreds of miles. Like that does that's kind of crazy to me. Um so this one, this guy named Scott and his friends were like drinking out in the courtyard and they're like in college, so I mean they're not they were just drinking. Um, and this guy, Scott's passed out drunk and he's asleep, so the guy other people just decide to leave him there. His apartment's like fifth like the building his apartment's in is like fifteen feet away. And so they just kind of leave him out there hoping he'll wake up and then go back into his own apartment. And he so they go up. This one person goes back to check at Scott's apartment the next day, and he doesn't answer the door, and his roommate didn't hear him come home or anything, so they're like, what? What happened? But, you know, they figured, like, he probably just went somewhere, and he's, he'll be back later. Um, so at noon, Scott shows up in only his underwear, and the only things he remembers are being wake- he, ugh, sorry, he was woken up and walked to a nearby apartment and the shadowy figure he said that like walked him there crawled out of a window so and then he just like walked back I guess the next day um so this group of friends is like super weirded out by it but they still want to go do it because you know college kids and so they go to the they find the apartment knock on the door and nobody answers for like several minutes but the door's unlocked so they open it which doesn't seem like a very good idea to me so they open the fridge and there's nothing but condiments in there so like that's kind it's kind of weird um and in the one bedroom in the apartment there's no bed but there's a row of dolls against the wall and Scott's clothes neatly folded next to it like, that's kind of weird, right? <laughs> like, there was supposedly, like, a little makeshift bed, like, some blankets and a pillow or something, but the the dolls are the kind of... Almost every part of that makes sense except for the dolls. I can get past every part of it except that one. Um, let's see. This one, this is a short one about a guy named Lars Mitnick? Mit Mitink? Mit Mitink? I don't know, I... I don't know how to say it. It's M-I-T-T-A-N-K, but we're just going to get past that. Um, this man sprinted out of an airport terminal, jumped over a barbed wire fence, ran into the woods, and was never heard from again. That's it. And nobody's ever had any sightings or anything. He's just gone. I'm Now, I don't know if anybody went looking for him, but, like, that's, that's kind of weird. Oh, da-da-da-da. So, this one is happened in 1971, still technically unsolved, even though there's kind of a little bit of evidence. Um, this guy named Dan Cooper was on a flight, and, like, there's tons of witnesses, and a bunch of people saw him, they have a description and everything. Um, he hands a note to the flight attendant that says, I have a bomb. So, the captain, the flight attendant tells the captain, he cooperates, and, um... So while they're stopping for gas or something, uh, Dan tells the pilot, like, he has this plan and, like, you need to follow this. Like, we're going to go here and we're going to stop here for fuel and we're going to whatever. So the pilot's like, okay, like, I could do that. So the they land in Reno, but Dan isn't on the plane anymore. 
I don't know if they, no one ever mentioned if he was on the plane when the plane took off. So there, there's a chance he never got on the plane. Um, the ransom money they had, uh, given him was never used. I don't know how they tracked that, but it was never used and they never found a parachute or anything. But in 1980, so nine years later, some boy found the ransom money, some of the ransom money. Um, and they knew that because of the serial numbers on it. And in 2017, a parachute strap was found at one of his possible landing sites. I don't know how they decided that, but apparently that's a possible landing site. Um, but my theory is that he was just chilling in the landing gear and dipped out, you know? I mean, maybe he, like the parachute wasn't that damaged, so he just took it with him. Like, that doesn't seem that bad, right? That seems reasonable. <laughs> but it's still technically unsolved, so here we are. Um, also a short one. So this Australian pilot, um, so he's, like, flying a plane. I don't know if this was, like, a commercial aircraft or, like, a little private plane, but he's, he's piloting a plane. And he calls in the radio and says there's a giant metal circular object somewhere, like hovering near his plane and then the radio cuts out after this really large loud I said large I meant loud like metal scraping sound um so supposedly this recording was saved and accidentally aired on public radio I don't think that's an accident that doesn't seem like something that would accidentally happen um so the pilot's father they they have the body but they, um, the pilot's father was allowed to see the body as long as, like, under the condition that he never tells anyone, like, what it, what it looked like, or, like, obviously he's told people that he went and saw it, but he was supposed to not tell people anything about it. So, that's kind of sketch, right? <laughs> but, um, anyway, the last, this is my last one, um... It's not really a, I don't know, it's not really a story, but um, I didn't find a year. I probably should have. Supposedly, a lot of detached human feet were washing ashore on a Canadian beach over, like, a period of several years. Like, there were just years that went by with disembodied feet washing up on this Canadian beach. So... I don't know if they tested. There was nothing about it. I don't know. I tried to find some more information. I couldn't find any. Maybe you can. Um, and then I found one that's actually been solved since, like, since it happened. So that hopefully you'd be a little more satisfied with your findings. So I didn't just leave you with a bunch of open ends. Unless you want to. In which case, you can end this here and I'll see you later. Um, so this guy named Newell had a friend whose name started with an M, but I don't remember. He had moved out and left some stuff with Newell. And one of those things was a trunk, like a little, like a, like a luggage trunk. And so like, he didn't think anything of it, but it had been six years and the guy didn't come back to get it. So Newell was like, I may as well open this. So there's a whole skeleton in it. Like there's a whole, if there's a whole skeleton in the, in the box like that's that's weird um so but he called the friend who like left it with him and he claims never to have opened it so 
the only clue as to like what had happened was a bullet hole in the skull. So that that was all in 1992, and then a description of the remains was released to the public, and this woman in 2017 came to the police because she thought it was her grandfather, who had, I, I, get, I don't know how they knew this, but they knew he had been murdered and put in a trunk. I don't know how they knew that, but didn't know where he was, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm not the woman. But after some DNA testing, it was like a 99.9% .9 match, so it was whatever. The The guy's name was John Mulvaney, not John Mulaney, for those of you who know who that is. Um, but, like, I don't really believe the friend who said he never opened it. Because I feel like if you had something... He said he bought it at a garage sale. But even the person... Like, I don't even want to talk to the... You know what? I do. I just want to talk to the people who sold it to the friend. How did they? They had to have known, right? And why would... Somebody had to know it was in there. And still handed it off to somebody else. But that's none of my business, I guess. So, that's all of them. I feel like I was talking really fast, and for that I apologize. But I think that'll wrap us up for today. Um, as always, thank you for listening. I won't be so emphatic about it this time, and hopefully it won't be seven months before you hear from me again. So, bye! <laughs>